cattle industry is pushing for more packer price transparency and making strides. What does that mean? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vocher, host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The price paid for cattle by specific buyers can be complicated, but the beef industry wants to see more transparency. One step in that direction recently announced by USDA is a contracts library. A pilot program for that effort is underway, of course, two years after it was first proposed, with an idea of showing what's happening in the cattle market. During the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Cattle Convention recently in New Orleans, Jennifer Carrico from Wallace's Farmer caught up with two beef industry folks to discuss the new program and what it might mean. First, we'll hear from Brad Kawima, representing the Iowa Cattlemen's Association, who brought forth the idea to support the policy. In addition, he promoted a proposal to ensure cattle are picked up within seven days after a bid is accepted. He offers his comments on both issues when talking to Jennifer. Well, thanks, Jennifer. My name is Brad Coima. I'm with Iowa Cattlemen. I'm on uh, Iowa Cattlemen's Feedlot Council. And I guess i got to say, these kind of meetings, I am proud to represent the small independent cattle producer. So, uh, yeah, that's who I am. But obviously, Iowa Cattlemen affiliate. Okay. So, we've had a lot of discussions through the past few years about uh, li- live cattle marketing and and uh, how we can make it equal, equivalent for the northern producers as it is for the southern. Tell us a little bit about the policy that was brought forward today and, and how we got to this point. Okay, there's a, <clears throat> a couple of things that we talked about today. Uh, one that I think Iowa can and should be proud of, and that's the contract library. Um, Iowa brought this idea, came through Feedlot Council, brought that idea to the NCBA meeting two years ago. <clears throat> Uh, and it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a narrow, narrow vote. I don't know if you remember or not. 86 to 78. I, I kept the record. Um, and it was the first time the North won a close vote that the South didn't want. The corporate South doesn't want to have transparency of what these formulas all are. Most of them don't anyway. Uh, and, and they were very, very against it. But it passed. And, and it, it seemed to me like maybe we maybe we moved the needle a little bit, a tipping point. It's then the whole NCBA of, you know, there is a greater voice than just the, the corporate side. Um, so this today is, you know, it's finally got rolled out, the pilot program yesterday on the, on the contract library. Two years. Unbelievable that it has take that long. But so anyway, we passed today is that we wanted to <clears throat> keep a working group, which is NCBA slang for members like myself uh, to give input to this pilot program so that hopefully it gets funded again in September and we can make it better as it goes. So that was one thing. I'm proud of that. Um, the other thing we talked about um, is it's really, if you go all the way back, it's a, it's a piece of 5014. Uh, it's the mand- We couldn't get that done, you know, after seven hours of and two and a half years of arguing. The mandatory part is a hang-up. But today we talked about let's have an industry-wide practice that doesn't let these packers sit, let you sit with cattle for 30, 20, you know, 25, 30, 35 days, sometimes longer. Um, the South has got a kind of a gentleman's agreement that they all adhere to. Seven days, you sell them, they got to pick them up in seven days. So that's what we passed here today. Now, our work in the North is how do we get our producers to rally around that and say, okay, we're going to do the same thing the South did. We're going to rally together and say no if it's going to take longer than that we're not going to sell them to you so we'll see we got some work to do now but that's basically so a part of that initial bill that the timely pickup thing is what we were talking about here 
Very good. So um, after the initial pilot program that you uh, referred to, what did, what do you think the next step will be then? I think, you know, getting my opinion, I think we need to further refine <clears throat> that that information is worthwhile and it's and it really does what we want it to do, and that is to show transparently what all these little deals are that are out there. And for me particularly, what I call these non-value AMAs, you know, a lot of people go, well, these formulas, you know, it's because I got better cattle than you do, and I got CAB, or I got non-implants, or I got naturals. That's fine. But I want to know about all those cattle that are rewarded for quantity, not just quality. So the big feed yards, 50,000 cattle, the pack, it's convenient for the packer. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll buy them all for Nebraska's weighted average, plus a dollar a hundred, plus 50 bucks a head, or whatever. Those things, I, I think we all want to see those clearly outlined with those... Uh, what those uh, deals are. Uh, nobody's trying to steal somebody from getting a $20 premium for primes or anything like that. That's not what this is about. It's more about transparency and, and really what good does that do for price discovery if they're just getting rewarded because they got more cattle and likely poorer quality than what we're feeding up here in our part of the country. That's what I'd like to see. I wouldn't mind seeing a little more defined um, uh, backer finance cattle. That might be a reach if we're going to we can you know dig that far, but uh, that would be another thing that'd be fun to know a little more about. Um, today we heard a little bit about uh, new regional going in uh, North Platte. We know that there's one proposed in Western Iowa. How will those type of, of uh, operations help the independent producer particularly? There's one in Texas also that's going to go. Um, <clears throat> um, I guess I think any competition improves, right? Any more shackle spaces is going to take some cattle out of that production cycle and have to, you know, make people compete more. Um, some of these probably are structured a little better for the independent cattle producer than others. I don't know how to, I don't know how to shade that just right for you. Um, you know, but a, but a, 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 fee, a packing house that goes up that's going to be all captive supply and have you know their own little you know, circle. I don't know that that's going to improve anything for someone in northeast Nebraska or northwest Iowa, but it will take some cattle out of production. So um, I, I would love to see more of the template where uh, it's a it's something that gets built and they buy cash cattle from a whole bunch of people in the surrounding area from different farmers. And, and, and I think that that would help with some of the thing that we talked about today, you know, where they're talking about hope and fire, COVID, that stuff. That seems to me would be a benefit to the area, but we'll take them how we can get them, I guess. Very good. Thank you, Brad. For more insight, Jennifer Carrico also talked with Sean Tiffany, president of the Kansas Livestock Association, who runs feedlots with his brother focused on working with retained ownership cattle. He discusses the Cattle Contracts Library pilot program and what it means from his perspective. So my name's Sean Tiffany. Uh, I reside in the Flint Hills of Kansas. Council Grove is my hometown. I'm currently serving as president of the Kansas Livestock Association and I operate feedlots. So my brother and I have two custom cattle finishing yards, and then we have a smaller custom grow yard uh, focused primarily on retained ownership cattle. A lot of Iowa, Missouri customers, Kansas customers, obviously. Uh, But our customer base is very progressive. Cow-calf operators that own those calves all the way through uh, one, they want to participate in that process, but two, they, they deeply value the carcass data 
to take back home to their operations in order to make genetic improvement and and just really improve their their uh, their calf crop. And for over ten years now, we've averaged uh, over ninety percent, sometimes ninety five percent choice in all of our marketing. So we get to feed very very great cattle from very great operations. Awesome. So we know the history about the cattle marketing and and where we've been with different the different states and and uh, today the policy was brought forward uh, kind of to everyone came together and mm-hmm. and uh, so tell us a little bit about um, you know your thoughts on on that and and where we're moving forward from here. So the the cattle contract library right now is a pilot project uh, that will go. It's from now until either it's either the beginning or the end of September, I believe the end of September, and then that data that's collected will be studied uh, by numerous groups, and the efficacy will be determined. Uh, you know, is there ways to make it better? Is it not effective? And so we're going to know a lot more a year from now on what that library does on behalf of our industry. So yeah, I think everybody right now is on the same page with that, and. It's a lot different environment than convention was a year ago, right? Um, and and trying to find um, the so that markets are, are basically what we would call equal mm-hmm. for uh, the northern feeders and, and the southern more contract type feeders. Um, what on in your feed yard? What do you, um, you said you have a lot of uh, retained ownership. Yes. So then do those people sell those cattle or do you take care of the market? So we do that on, on their behalf. We communicate all that with them. I mean, we don't do anything without their input and them getting to make the final yes or no sale. But like I said, we're feeding some of the best cattle in the industry. And so we're utilizing forward contracts, a lot of different AMAs uh, in order to do that. We feed a high percentage of natural cattle, non-hormone treated cattle. And so for that reason, we were deeply opposed to the marketing mandate because there was a lot of problems with that. One was the 14-day clause that they had to be priced within 14 days of harvest. Uh, That's problematic because obviously natural and non-hormone treated cattle, they take the entire lifespan of that animal to to fit that program and you've got to know that it's available and so we're leveraging a lot of those uh, those types of programs in order to get the value that those quality of cattle demand Uh, there's just so much money and thought that has to go into those types of cattle by the time they're harvested you have to know that that market's there and instead you, you can't just hope that the cash market's where you want it to be at that point uh, it would really de-incentivize incentify uh, producers to, to produce that product. The expanded reporting regions, though, is going, I, I'm optimistic that that's going to be a, a great thing. I mean, information is always valuable, right? So if we can get more information, better information, broader regions uh, by the inclusion of South Dakota and Iowa in, or well, actually it's South Dakota is included with the Iowa-Minnesota reporting region, and then bringing in Wyoming and, and just expanding that data, that's going to be a good thing too. So, Thank you very much. Okay.
Price transparency in any market makes sense, and it appears the beef industry is making progress. Thanks to Jennifer Carrico for those interviews. We're going to have more insights from the Cattle Convention in future podcasts. Our team on the ground at the New Orleans event talked to quite a few people, and we look forward to getting their insights. This was an interesting topic, always looking at some part of the industry. And if you don't want to miss what we're talking about here at Around Farm Progress, simply subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs. And our events, including Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, the Farm Futures Summit, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.